And welcome, everybody. We are live here on the All About the Birds Network. We're back where it all began. Johnny Uleka and Phil Stifle in an off-season Eagles weekly talk show. It's where it all started. Just the two of us talking about the off-season of the Eagles. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not when we wanted to start talking about the off-season. No, it is the not. The first weekend of the playoffs, wild card weekend. We had hoped to be playing. But anyway, again. Welcome to the show, everybody. What's up, Kyle? Everybody checking in, make sure you're liking this video, sharing it if you're watching on Facebook. If you're on Twitter, make sure you're retweeting it out for everybody. If you're watching on Sportscaster, make sure you're dropping little tips and donations in the tip jar there. We appreciate all that. Um, we're just here. We're trying to do uh, you know, what we do, be the voice of the people. So if you got comments, thoughts on any of the conversation tonight, make sure you drop them in the comments section. That, I think Johnny and I, from the beginning, we wanted to create a podcast where all opinions mattered. And I'm going to call somebody out, not rudely, but I'm going to just say, you know, there's a Vic guy out there. I don't want to say much more. If you know who Vic is, y'all saw me commenting and chatting with him today online. My opinion didn't matter, according to him. What's up, Travis? Thanks for checking in, as always, Travis. We love you. Um, you know, Vic didn't like my opinion, but instead of just disagreeing or arguing or discussing it with me, he got pretty offensive, pretty downright ugly and all with me. So you know what, Vic, you are welcome to come on this show anytime you want if you want to have an actual debate to talk sports. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw this out there to everybody. We're going to start a new segment, a new show. It's going to bounce around. It's going to be about once a month to start. Yeah, <laughs> I see some of those comments coming in there. Um, you know, we're going to start a new show. I think we're going to do it Sunday this month. We're going to do a fan forum show. The link to get into this studio, I'm going to share it with anybody that wants it, okay? And if you want to come on this show on Sunday and talk any sports, any Philly sports, football, Sixers, Flyers, anything you want, I'm going to give you the voice, and we're going to debate it. And if you bring an opinion that I don't like, I'm going to debate it with you. But your opinions will matter. So, and again, I'm calling out Vic. If Vic wants to come on the show and debate with me, it's open. Can I I'm not can scared. I, can I come in and debate Jalen Mills with you? I know we, you we can know come you in and debate Jalen Mills with me. <laughs> we had that whole conversation. See, the thing. People don't understand. Me and Johnny had a huge battle on Twitter and in private messages about you know Jalen Mills. I don't want Jalen Mills back. Johnny does. But you know what we did? We had a debate. It got heated. But you know what? We're still here talking. He didn't block me from it like someone else did. But you know what? That's that. That's that's subject number one of the day. Before we get into the agenda for tonight, I do want to say I know a lot is going on in the world and in the country today. You know, there was debate whether to do it or not. Chip did not feel up to it. And that's I, I truly understand that. And I hope Chip is really, you know, putting in a lot of time and thought. I know he's struggling to deal with he's a teacher, you know, you know, how to address this subject with his kids. But we're going to use this moment to give everybody that needs it the opportunity to step away from what's going on, have an outlet to just have some fun. Talk some Eagles, talk some Eagles offseason. So we have an agenda tonight. We've got, we're going to talk a little bit about the defensive coordinator position um, because that is the one position we know is available right now. We think they're going to hire an offensive coordinator, a play caller. You know, you know, we think all those things are going to happen, but we don't know. We know about the defensive coordinator spot. So we're going to talk about that, some of the candidates that Johnny and I like uh, for the position. Um then we're going to talk a little bit more. I know everybody's talked it to death, but we are going to touch on the Doug Howie presser. You know, some a of the little players, bit of a twist. 
You know, with a little bit of twist, some of the players have spoken out. we got some other twists in that. And then the second half of the show, it's still a football podcast. So we are going to talk wild card weekend. You know, all the games, there's a lot of great games this weekend. We're going to throw out our, you know, Super Bowl picks, see if they've changed since before the season started. You know, we're going to go from there. So anyway, again, sorry to go on a five-minute rant there, everybody. Thanks for hanging in there. Again, keep hitting that share button. Keep hitting that retweet button, you know. So everybody is tuning in and watching this show. And again, anybody that wants to have a debate, we're going to debate you, okay? Your comments all matter, all right? So, Johnny, we're going to start right off the bat. Defensive coordinator is the one thing we know. What's up, Richard? Thanks for checking in as well. You know, again, we appreciate everybody that tunes in and comments all the time. You know, my wife is a Tennessee fan. Well, why'd you marry her then, Kyle? You know, that's that was your mistake anyway. You only marry Eagles fans. Um, Johnny, defensive coordinator, it's a coaching position that is available right now. Where do you think the Eagles should go? And what kind of a coordinator do you think they should look at? So there's there, there's a ton of names out here, and I, I know there's a lot of hot names, a lot of sexy names, but um, I thought about this, and you know, I, just, I posted a video, a Jim Johnson video, just because I was watching an old Eagles game, and they focused on him, and just watching that defense, and just being able to uh, take a look at how they ran that defense. And there's a couple guys on the list, um, you know, we talked about. One guy I really like, and I know I've, I put it in like our chats and stuff that we have, uh, Steve Wilkes. Uh, he was the old uh, Arizona Cardinals head coach. Uh, he worked with the Browns, and he worked with uh, Ron Rivera in uh, Carolina. He's a person I really like. And I took a look at his numbers. Uh, there is uh, some type of analytical uh, advanced defense, it's called, that goes off of like blitz percentage and pressure percentage and certain things like that. And when he was a head coach with uh, Arizona, um, you know, it showed now it wasn't the best defense. Arizona was not very good. Um, and of course he only had one year, but he had a very, not a, I wouldn't say very high, but a lot higher than Jim Schwartz in terms of blitz percentage and the way he runs a defense. And I was going back and trying to look a little bit, uh, around about that defense, but he's one name I really like okay. Chris, uh, Chris Richard, um, yeah. Dallas and Seattle. Um, he worked with yeah, the I secondary mean, there. So I mean, Dallas is like dealing with him not there this year. I mean, this was the first year he wasn't there. Obviously Dallas defense they took a step backwards so i mean i know he wasn't the defensive coordinator but you know the defense definitely did not look good with him that not there so i do i do hear that name a lot as well and uh terrell austin is one he's basically like a, a consultant for the pittsburgh steelers but he was with the uh detroit lions so you know he's he has background there uh with the lions uh, a lot of these guys were naming or guy four three type of players but if you really think of it Defenses really aren't four three three fours anymore. They're it's basically a hybrid because you play with so many defensive backs. I know mm -hmm. one name that that um, you and I spoke about, and I wanted to kind of quickly bring up is Wade Phillips. And everyone mm -hmm. thinks Wade Phillips is only three four three four based. That's all he runs. He ran a lot later on in his time with uh, the Rams. He ran a lot of four two fronts. Okay, so there's there's a little bit of a, a difference in, in there, but I don't think it's something they need to go to a three, four defense or something like yeah. that. Like the Steelers run and a lot of, uh, you know, teams run. It's just not what they're built for. Yeah, the Eagles, the Eagles aren't set up for a three, four defense. So if you're going to talk to Wade Phillips and I actually love Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator, I'm not sure about with the Eagles, but I mean, in general, I, he's had 
countless great defenses in his long, illustrious career as a defense coordinator. He's been a mediocre head coach at best, but as a defense coordinator, he's done a really solid job. If he was a serious candidate, first off, at 73 years old, he's older and all, um, you would have to make sure he understands that we can't run a 3-4. We're not set up. We're so far from you know running that. You're not going to put Brandon Graham back at linebacker. Dark Barnett's not going to line up there. I mean, you would have to do something along the lines of putting Cox as, as an end, Hargrave as a tackle, and I don't know who your other end would be. And You don't have the linebackers for it. So that would be... The only side there with that one, I'm not a and fan. And the thing of that. is, you I don't do. have you, you don't have money in free agency to go and sign a couple guys to fit the defense, kind of like what the Giants did. The Giants switched to uh, basically like a three-four type of defense, and they they switched around, but they went out and they signed three, four different guys. Eagles don't have the money to do that, and to be able to just get guys from college to move it, just it's it's a switch that you cannot do this season yeah. and you can't not, do it not at all. It's the, just not the what they're cap issues that we have and the age issues that we have, you know, Brandon Graham played linebacker briefly earlier on. They, they tried to make him an outside linebacker in a three, four scheme or the Y I forget what scheme we were running that year. It just didn't work out. He, he's not meant to drop back in coverage and all. So I'm going to give you some stats here. Okay. And I'm going to give you some numbers, two, three, four, five, it's six seasons. Okay. I'm going to give you the rank of this defense in points. Then the rank of this defense in total, you know, defense, okay? okay? And you tell me, don't name the name. I'm pretty sure you're going to know who I'm getting at here. But don't name the name first. Just tell me if these numbers alone make the candidate a viable candidate to be a defensive coordinator, all right? In his last six years as a defensive coordinator, this guy in total points allowed had his defense ranked first, eighth, first, third, first, and first. Pretty damn impressive. In total yardage and total defense, it was first, eight, second, fifth, third, 11. Again, pretty damn good numbers. On those numbers alone, should that person be a viable candidate for defensive coordinator? What kind of defense? He is does available he run? to be signed. What kind of defense does he run? A 4 3 defense. It's a 4 3. Okay. Um, Again, points in its last six years first, eighth, first, third, first, first, five to- or four times in six I- years, the top scoring defense. Is this as a defensive coordinator only? As a defensive coordinator. He bombed as a head coach. He was recently fired as a head coach. Okay. So, no, it's he, not Rob Ryan. No, no it's not. Okay. So so he did great as a defensive coordinator, but also the play, the head coach that he was under was also a defensive head coach. He was. Absolutely. Which also, so, he, so as Johnny's hitting that, we're talking about Matt Patricia. Now, we don't want Matt Patricia here necessarily because him and Darius Slay supposedly have a bad working relationship from their time in Detroit. Um, and obviously, he bombed as a head coach in Detroit. But Matt Patricia in New England was the defensive coordinator of a great defense for six straight years. And we're talking about a defense ranked number one four out of six years. So, Is it a conversation the Eagles brass at least have to be having right now? I'm going to say no because <laughs> – Just because gonna, of Darius Slay? No, not because there's, I just, his, just him in general, because if I go and I look at a, a gentleman who was under uh, Bill Belichick in Romeo Cornell, and if you go and look at Romeo Cornell as a defensive coordinator, he's had a couple flashy seasons, but a lot of it has been either towards the back end of the teens into the twenties. And he's had at least four seasons 
in the high 20s, 30s. So I would say no because a lot of the influence is Bill Belichick and yeah, the way no, he I runs. You. And I, I think uh, that is a concern there. So that for me, that's a, a big concern. And that's just – I would say no. I, I just don't – and the other thing I think about too is the type of personality. That's the other thing is I think Patricia's personality – it's like douchebag. I don't know if you want to if you try to use that, but it's just I, I, I understand some coaches are very. I think hard that's the first time everything. that word's been. We've said a lot of bad words on this show. That's the yeah. first time we've called out somebody as a douchebag on the show. Right. I didn't even call Vic that. But even if if you think about it, a guy who has a laminated sheet but has a pencil in his hat, I just feel like he's just. Thinks he's so he's so full of them. I I can't stand the guy. All right, all right. So, all right. so we're saying I'm say no. no. We're saying no to Matt Patricia. But again, a hard no. Remember those numbers. That's a hard no. See, to me, it's not a hard no. It's a I have to at least interview him if I'm in that room. And and Richard brought it up, and now Rod's bringing it up again. I was holding off on posting Richard's comment, but now Rod's bringing it up. So we'll bring this name up right away. Dan Quinn. Okay, we got multiple people saying Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn in 2013, before he was a head coach, he had the number one uh, defense in yardage and overall defense, number two in points. In 2014, it was four in yardage, two in points again. So again, a guy with head coaching experience, experience calling plays on defense because Dan right. Quinn was calling the plays in, on defense, okay? Sucked as a head coach. Well, not sucked. He wasn't as bad as Matt Patricia. He was okay as a head coach, but a great defensive coordinator. He is available. Yes or no on Dan Quinn. So Dan Quinn, Seattle Seahawks, correct? Yeah. That's Who's the next the name. Coach? I got another Seattle Seahawks that we're going to bring up next. Who's the head coach? Pete Carroll. Defensive but Pete guard. Carroll so is what we want Doug Peterson to be. The leader, the overall mentor. Doug Pete Carroll doesn't call plays, offense or defense. Pete Carroll's the rah-rah guy on the sideline. So, he's the Mike Tomlin. He's the, you know, he's what we, again, want out of Doug Peterson next year. So the, the way I look at it, Dan Quinn, if if the guys you're hiring, um, you know, fall through, I wouldn't go with a young candidate. I just don't think this team needs that. They need a veteran voice. They need somebody who's been around the block, not somebody new. Um, and I, Dan Quinn, I, I know when he first got fired, we had that chat, and I said, "Oh, he'd be a good name for defensive you coordinator." Bring him up. So looking, really looking into it, and looking a little bit deeper. Um, you know, with those Atlanta teams, I, I know what he did with Seattle. The personnel with Seattle is where I kind of, I understand right. it, well, it, all, right. it all, it all depends. You have to look at that way too, but, but looking at him as a head coach with Atlanta and how the, my biggest factor with it is when he left and he was ousted, the defense for Atlanta actually got a little bit better. All right. Well then uh, before we say yes or no, hundred percent, the other name, another former Seattle D coordinator Let's ride the Gus bus, you know, hashtag Gus bus. I was all over the Gus bus over Chip Kelly. Now, Gus Bradley also failed as a head coach, just like Chip I, Kelly. I was too, though. I, I was I a Gus Bradley guy. And so here, I, I got his 2012, so the year before Dan Quinn took over. Dan Quinn took over as D coordinator because Gus Bradley got the Jacksonville head coaching job. Dan Quinn, or Gus Bradley in 2012, had the fifth-ranked points, third overall defense. And then the next year, Dan Quinn took it to one Two. So, you know, 
so so Gus Bradley, a great defense of mine that did really good his first year in San, or L.A. Chargers, where they still San Diego at the time, did really well. The last year or two, his defenses have fallen off a little bit and all. But again, another bad head coach, really solid defense coordinator. But Gus Bradley and Dan Quinn both are in that legion of boom. And I think the problem is both those, I think, are yeses for me. I would be happy with both those as our defense coordinator. The problem is Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman doesn't draft the needs of the defensive coordinator. So, again, are these guys going to take what Howie sends him? So, like, Jim Schwartz's problem was he wanted to play one scheme. Howie gives them other scheme players, but Jim Schwartz was too stubborn to change his scheme. Are these guys going to be too stubborn to change their scheme? What's up, Adam? We're talking defensive coordinator candidates so far for those that are checking in right now. So my my thing with the you know the Gus the Gus Bradleys and um, the Dan Quinns, I I would lean a little bit towards Gus Bradley. Honestly, I would lean toward another guy that was after Dan Quinn and Chris Chris Richard. So okay. the reason I I I'd go with with him is just another Seattle guy. See, that's yeah. what I want. I want to, I want to look at defenses. I want to look at coordinators from the past or assistant coaches from great defenses that have been great for a really long time. You look at it, Quinn, Gus Bradley, you know, you know, all these guys, Chris Richard, how bad is Seattle's defensive this year compared to previous year? None of those guys are on that team anymore, mm-hmm. you know, coaching. So look what happened after all these guys left. Chris yeah. Richards was just back in Seattle, what, in 2017, I think it was the last time he was there? 18? Yeah. That's about the time 17, when 18, the defense 19, started 19. to fall apart, was it not? So so the, the the other thing you have to think about is, yes, you can go to these – We're going to address this in a second. Don't worry. These, you know, these older, these older guys getting, you know, somebody that has been around the block, has been there before. But in that – with that just comment was – if you think about it and you get an, an, as you say, understudy, like two guys that, um, or one guy that I have was Eric Washington. Okay. So he's on the bills. Uh, the, you know, Sean McDermott's the head coach there. Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, both tenured guys, both former Andy Reid guys, former, um, you know, Jim Johnson understudies, those type of guys. And Eric Washington, he was with Carolina as well. So he was with uh, Ron Rivera yeah. as well. But my thing is, if you go at, for one of those guys, the positional coaches have to be veteran guys. You need guys that have been in the league for a long time because you can't have a young a young assistant with a bunch of young assistants. Now, Eric Washington isn't a young, young, young guy. Yeah. Uh, like another like like another name that I know you have um, in terms of the coaching the coaching ranks. But it is a possibility. But I just feel that they're going to go that veteran route, a guy that and. Steve Wilkes isn't old. He's only, I think he's in his right. early fifties. So I, my guy, if I had all the names we gave, if I had my I still number got more one, names, so we're, we're not done on this segment just yet. If, if I had to choose out of the list, the guys that I have, I would go Steve Wilkes. That's my guy. Okay. Um, what about the Ryan brothers, Rex Ryan and all no. the other guys? I, I, I say no. First off, I don't think Rex Ryan comes off of the sports center desk or the ESPN desk. For a coordinator position, he only wants a head coaching job if he even comes out of, you know, broadcasting career and stuff like that. Um, I don't think he comes back anyway. A lot of those guys, they get that taste of broadcasting and they don't want to come back out of it. So 
I'm not well, sure how I feel about the Ryans and stuff like and that. And they run they run three four defenses most likely. Exactly. They're, 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 they're heavily yeah. on that. that I mean, that type of person Rex, that, if you if you sign Rex or Rob Ryan as he's bringing up now, you're you're hiring the name, not what they you know what they really are. Just the Ryans really have not had success yeah. the last you know five ten years in the league. You know they've been mediocre at best. So we're gonna throw some more names um, first before as A two D said. Um, he asked, you know, younger names. I got one of those I really like. Uh, Nick checking in with Juan Castillo. Yeah, I mean, he's probably he'd probably take the job if we offered it to him. Um, that was probably the worst defensive coordinator of all time. First, I'm going to touch on how do you feel the two rumors that some beat reporters are saying are the most likely candidates, which are from within. You got the defensive backs coach. I think I got the line, names mixed up here. No, the defensive backs coach Mark Quid Manuel and the Mark defensive Quinn, line yeah. coach Matt Burke. Me personally, I don't want a protege of Jim Schwartz because again, I didn't like his scheme. But what well, do you think about hiring from within, promoting from within? At least the guys from within know their guys. You know, Burke, the D line coach, we do have one of the best front fours in football. So he's obviously doing a really solid job. I mean, it's a thought. It's just not a thought. I want to start fresh. Again, yeah. I wanted to cut everybody off from Howie Roseman straight on down, clean house. So obviously, I can't say I want one of those guys as my coordinator. So, looking at the Marquand Manuel, he's he was went in uh, Atlanta as a D coordinator, mm-hmm. um, and then got fired after one year. And um, yeah, he's is you know secondary secondary coach. Unfortunately, we'll bring him up injuries next. this year. Um, the other guy, Matt Burke, he was defensive coordinator for two years under Adam Gase mm-hmm. uh, in Miami, and you know how you know how those teams ended up Adam Gase yeah. their offense was absolute dumpster and yeah. you know the defense is always on the field the defense blitzed a lot more than Jim Jim Schwartz's defense is blitzed his defensive scheme is a little bit different than what Jim Schwartz runs um you know I, I took a little bit of time to watch the film of that defense from the 2017 and 2018 seasons to kind of see see how they kind of ran things and see how they did um they weren't very um, highly rated in terms of getting sacks. Now their defensive line wasn't that good. Uh, the personnel on the team wasn't that good. They had a lot of young defensive linemen that that um, basically flamed out like draft busts. But mm-hmm. they had tons of turnovers. Um, so my thing with it is, if you go with a guy like Matt Burke, if you want to go in house, which personally I don't agree with. Yeah. But it's definitely something that I wouldn't put it past them to do uh, with a guy that they're familiar with since he's been. Uh, he's been there, but I think we're on the same page in-house is probably not, at least from a fan perspective, you're not going to excite the fan base by keeping it in-house like that because yeah, it's just going to be more of the same. So two more, I know Richard's brought his name up twice, maybe three times already. Lovey Smith. I know you like Lovey Smith as well. Um, Lovey Smith and Raheem Morris, the, the interim head coach with the Falcons who, if they don't give him the full-time job, he's probably gone because you don't take that promotion to get demoted back to defense coordinator you go become a defense coordinator somewhere else most likely so do you like either i know you like lovey smith do you like him enough to look at him um or raheem morris and what do you think there see the, those two guys are interesting uh, because they can be the head coach of the defense which is right. something that has been said so you know that what the Eagles want to do and what, what they did with Jim Schwartz was he was the head coach of the defense. He was the voice there. And Lovey Smith is a guy that can be that. He's not, as you showed in college, he wasn't, which college is a little bit different than, than the pros. You can't really run a pro 
type of system in college. We struggled, but I feel like as a defensive coordinator, he can, uh, I think he can do very well. And he runs that, that, uh, four, three scheme. Same with Raheem Morris. I think those two names are, um, intriguing. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like Lovey Smith, but if Raheem Morris were, if you had to pick between the two, I may lean towards Raheem Morris just because mm-hmm. of, you know, the type of, you know, he, he's been a head coach before. So he's been a defensive coordinator. So he's been there. He's, he's still young, but he's a veteran as well. Um, I would like Raheem Morris. All right. All right. So, I, I mean, personally, I'm leaning towards one of two things. Either somebody that's got a Seattle Seahawks background or, which a couple of people have asked, you know, Nick said it, you know, you look at some of the, the great defenses in the league that have been great for a long time and you pluck one of their, you know, positional coaches. And a hot rising star, and I haven't seen him on too many Eagles, you know, you know, timelines or stuff like that as somebody that they're looking at. But someone from the Eagles past, he's a rising star out in San Francisco, um, linebackers coach, former Eagles linebacker. He will be a defense coordinator in the next two years. I want young, fresh blood. We're going to have a lot of young guys. No, not Seth Joyner, Nick. Seth Joyner is too much of an agenda. I love Seth Joyner. Loved him in the past. But Seth Joyner, I don't he's think – He's an analyst. Yeah, he's an analyst, and he's got so many agendas and made so many, you know – Old hot takes it. I don't think he's right for the Eagles right now. They don't need that kind of person and that personality on the team. But I got another linebacker from the blast from the past, D'Amico Ryan's. He's a right. He's a linebackers coach in San Fran. He's rising and rising up the ranks. You're hearing his name through circles a lot more often. Not with the Eagles, but me personally, if I'm not going with someone from Seattle or Seattle's history, I'm going D'Amico Ryan's or someone like him. Whether you want to go San Francisco, Pittsburgh's defense, Baltimore's defense, you know, built Buffalo's defense, you want to pick a rising star, someone that's under 50 years old that's going to come in with a load of energy, you know, motivate the young kids because we're going to have to have a lot of young guys on this defense. And someone also, you know, someone like D'Amico Ryans has had a lot of success on the football field. So it's something if he says it in the defensive meeting rooms, he's already done it. You know, he, he's been there. He's been in the trenches. So he'll relate to the guys. So D'Amico Ryans, he's not my pick to get the job, but he's my sleeper pick. I he's would young- love to see him or someone like him get the job. He's younger than you. He's only 36. Is he? I thought he was like 41, 42. No, 1984. And younger than so, me, yeah. Is, is that a dig? Are you, are you calling me out? Are you calling me a nobody by saying I'm older than D'Amico Ryans? Yeah, you're you're pretty you're pretty old, but but you know speaking about the ha- wear a hat to hide my receding hairline and gray hairs. Yeah, it's re- it's running away from your mouth. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> here we go. Mute, <laughs> mute the mic of Johnny right there on that one. Too bad I can unmute it. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. he was 2017 to now. He's been on the staff of, of San Francisco. Their their defensive coordinator most likely is going to get a head coaching job, mm-hmm. and I know. You know, yeah, Art, that is. I know where you're getting. He's probably going to be promoted to their defensive coordinator. Possibly, yes. And if he's not, that is a great understudy, like a comment that we've had. Um, you know, under Robert Sala, who's that defense with how many injuries they had this year, and yeah. the quarterback play they had, they stuck with it and they played for him. And very punch you, punch you in your face type of defense. It's a, it was a, it's a fun defense to watch because. They're just so, you know, it it gives you on like a blast to the past type of, you know, the two thousands defenses with the Eagles, and you just, you know, it, it's exciting. But 
Like I, said, I, I think he goes he goes the defensive coordinator, um, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah. no, I I see what I'm you're gonna, saying. I'm gonna, rank, I'm gonna rank my top three. Okay, you okay. said who your favorite is. I'm just gonna give my top three. I'll give you, you I'll know? give you my top three then. Go I ahead. want Dan, I think Dan Quinn is my number one choice at this moment. If he doesn't get another head coaching job, because he could get a head coaching job. But if he doesn't get a head coaching job, he's my number one. Number two is actually D'Amico Ryans. I think I love the young upstart positional coach guys. You know, they, I, I love that philosophy there. Um, and number three, I'm going to get bashed nonstop for it. But number three is still Matt Patricia. Okay. Yeah, you make it bashed for that. And, and we'll get into offseason moves that the team can make for cap reasons in future episodes. But Darius Slay is his mortal enemy. Only has one year left on his deal, and we could talk about it. He's a dark horse, in my opinion, to get moved if he doesn't get an extension. So, or maybe too much was made of that beef between him and Patricia. So, I'm going Quinn one, Ryan's two, Patricia three is my top three coordinator. You know, targets this off season. So I'm gonna my top three. Um, I already said Wilkes, Steve Wilkes. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm gonna go with another another guy, Gus Bradley. And we talked about him again. You could you could take Quinn off my list and put Gus, and Gus Bradley in my number one spot. It's it's either Bradley or Quinn as my number one guy. And then Eric Washington would be my third choice. I like you know he's with um, he's with Buffalo now. You know a lot of Jim Johnson disciples there, so he's with them now. He worked with Ron Rivera in uh, Carolina, and I think he actually worked with him in Chicago under mm-hmm. under him. And a positional coach, uh, defensive line coach, stuff like that. So he's a definitely a, a hot name as well. So those are my three: Wilkes, Bradley, and Eric Washington. But again, as ATG said, he he disagrees with my three, huh? But yeah, whatever. We can all debate this. And again, Sunday eleven thirty ish. We'll 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 hash out the time in the next couple of days. We're gonna have the fan forum show, first ever fan forum show, right here on the network. If you want to come on the screen on Sunday. I'm going to put any person, we can have up to six at a time, any fan that wants to come on and debate any topic I've talked about or you want to talk about, we're going to put you on the screen. So, you know, you know and that makes sense. Anybody will be better than Jim Schwartz. Agreed. Even, I, I can't, I'm not a Jim Schwartz guy. Even better, Phil. All about the fans. Instead of all about the birds, it's going to be all about the fans because that's what we are. We're a fan-friendly network here. We're here for you. Uh, can you phone in, not video? I, I don't know about that. You, well, we don't you have can, the phone thing figured out. You got to come on here and do it. I think you can have it without a, a video, but you got to have uh, computer access to get on it. Um, yeah, so truth. Yeah, Richard, I hope you tune in at some point too to, to come on the fan forum show, the all about the fan show. Look at that. I like that. No more sticks defense. Yeah, right. please. No more sticks no defense. More. That's please. the first question in my interview. What kind of defense are you going to run on third and 13? Back when you got your defense, you know, you're the offense backed up to the 20. And when they say sticks, it's that it's that visual of jazz being thrown out of Uncle Phil's house. That's exactly what it'll be. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's transition from the defense to the offense. But not necessarily the offense, just the head coach, who's basically the offensive coordinator at the time, Howie Roseman. You know, obviously his the press conference with the two of them. Yeah, as Nick says, back to this blitzing, you know. You know, Richard, I'll go over how to do it definitely um, in the coming days and all. Hit me up on Twitter or on Facebook. I'll go over that with you guys. Um, so we've talked about – everybody's talked about the Doug Howie presser at nauseum. We've got to touch on it at least. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the presser itself. But also there's obviously the meeting 
the secret meeting, the meeting we haven't heard of between Jeffrey Lurie, Howie, and Doug Peterson on Tuesday. No rumors, no, no, uh, no Josina Anderson reports from that. Jeff McLean stories out of it. No, what stories? Jeff McLean stories. No Jeff McLean, no Josina Anderson leaks, you know, nothing like that. Obviously, I want to touch on the players. Some are speaking out for, for, for what's happened on Sunday. Some have gone against it. And, of course, then there's another thing we want to twist in at the end there. Um, but what do you want to talk about first there, uh, Johnny? And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, what, what's going on in the front office structure of this team? So I know you, you'll touch on, uh, you know, the players talking out and, you know, speaking out, a few of them that have uh, over their last couple of days. I want to touch on the Jeff Howie Doug meeting, mm-hmm. meeting of the minds or hashing out whatever it was. My thing with it is the feeling I have, it's not nothing I know. I don't have sources. I don't have anything. It's an opinion of my own is mm-hmm. I think the whole Doug thing about he's and he's, he stated it too about more personnel control. And I want, I want to be in control or something along the lines of that, which to me says, I want to be, I, I want to be more in the control of who's being selected, who's being picked. And if that's the case, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with Doug being here as long as you get an offensive coordinator because Scangarello is no longer there. There's not that whole too many voices, too many people, you know, all these, all these chefs in the kitchen. So I'm going to address that for a second. Too many voices, right? That's what everybody says. There's too many voices, right? He's taking too much from everybody. But and it's not. How many more voices are there really than other teams? Every team's got a running back coach. Every team's got a wide receiver coach. Every team's got an offensive line coach. Every team's got a tight end coach. You know, it's not like it's that different. Well, yes, we have a couple offensive senior advisors. Your advisor, but you know, so, you got Angarelli and you got Marty Morningwig. You know, and yeah. were their yeah, opinions Deuce. even taken into account? Because if you look at their past, those guys, they might have actually provided some actual help. You know, Morningwig took Lamar Jackson's rookie year and made him into what he is now. They could have done that same exact pattern with Jalen Hurts. They did not. So. Is it too many voices, or is it that Doug is too stubborn to listen to the voices? Or is Doug listening to everybody and trying to get everybody's input in instead of actually basically – and, 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 and he really said that. So which way it is. The, the, the last you tell me what you guys think it is. Everybody that's commenting, you know, Nick, Richard, you know, A2D, everybody that's commenting, you know, let me know. Which one is it? Is it too many voices and he's not listening, or is it too many voices and he's trying to appease everybody? So I mean, listen I, to Deuce run the ball more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but Deuce puts the running back rotation in though. So, well, what running back rotation is there? Because we never ran the ball. I'm just saying. But my my feeling is what you need to do is Scangarello, Morningweg, these senior advisors. You have to just you know let them go. You know, Press Taylor, all these guys. Yeah, Press has got to go. Yeah, and my thing is if Doug needs to be. And we talked about it. Doug needs to be the head coach, control absolutely. the team, be and hire. And, and one guy I would absolutely love to make your offensive coordinator to call the plate is Anthony Lynn. I thought he got a little bit of a raw deal with with the Chargers. I would love to have him as your offensive coordinator and let Doug coach the team and be able to help with the game plan and do that kind of stuff. I feel that 
may be that the course of action. That's what I think needs to happen in oh. terms of this offseason. I'm not prepared for an offensive coordinator conversation. Who no, I, was, I, I was the one thing I will guy. touch on on the Anthony Lynn thing, Anthony Lynn, it depends on who your quarterback is going to be because he works really well with the young quarterbacks. Okay. He knows how to help develop quarterbacks and offenses around them. So that leads me into the second part of the conversation here on offense is all these players speaking out. Some Jason, we all saw Jason Kelsey's Instagram post saying that he's, you know, there was no confrontation. He addressed it, but that was it. You know, he took, he took a responsibility for the bad snap, you know, stood up for Nate Sudfeld study, you know, is ready to play, you know, those kind of things. And then you have the other side of the equation where there's players speaking against Doug, you know, Miles Sanders, Kayvon Wallace, who what rookie that played three snaps all year has the gall to stand up. And I love Kayvon Wallace. I think he could be a stud in this football league, but has Doug, after all these words were coming out in the last couple of days, should Howie have, or not Howie, should have Jeffrey Lurie have changed his mind and gotten rid of Doug or made a mutual parting ways because these kind of comments that are coming out and there's more negative comments and positive comments coming out. Okay. These negative comments, that's how you lose your locker room. Correct. Yeah. But the way my thing is with Jason Kelsey and what he said, and then even a guy like Torrey Smith came out and said, all these players saying that week 17, you know, they play to win and all that is, you know, hogwash. They, it, mm-hmm. You know, he came out and defended saying that it's it's not always like that. People are just kind of – if this was a 1 o'clock game, you wouldn't have all this issue. Yeah, exactly. But this then, is the fault, everything that happened. That's the problem. But I understand, you know, Jason Kelsey also did say something about, I guess, um, I'm not sure if it was inactive players didn't really know what the plan was sure. because – the inactive you're, you're, you're inactive. Plan. Yeah, exactly. But they knew it was going to happen. That's why – because I remember in the broadcast, they were saying, oh, it looks like Sudfeld's taking snaps with uh, Jason Kelsey. So they knew after yeah. the third quarter he'd be going in. But Absolutely. So- I, th- I think even even at an 8 o'clock game, if they would have made the decision at halftime even, yeah. it might have been, been – a- That may have been a little bit better if you would have made the decision yeah, exactly. at halftime to put him in. One, and- other, one other story that's come out about the offense, the front office and the coaching and this hogwash of mesh that our team is in right now. Because honestly, if we talk, if we really think about it, this team is a lot further away from contending than we think because of all the issues, all the question marks. It's really going to come down to how, if, if Howie and Doug are here, Howie and Doug really need to make firm statements this offseason. But it gives us something to talk about. But statements of, you know, signing the right people, you know, bringing in the right coaching staff, those kind of statements, not actual. Because if you look at their press conference, they both look like idiots on the screen. You know how we or how he looks like the the scorn child, like mm, daddy, help me. You know, looking up at how he or Jeffrey Laurie and Doug Peterson looks like he's pissed off all the time or got a crap to take or something. You know, <laughs> who knows? You know, but there's another story that comes out, and it was from uh, Ed Kratz, I believe, of SI.com, of that Howie Roseman has reached out to Zach Ertz to convince Carson Wentz to not want to trade. Now, I want to ask multiple questions on this point. Okay, first, I read the article. You know, Ed Katz, he's a, he's a good writer. He, he does good work over there at SI.com. Um, is this – if this story – first off, is this story true? Do you believe it's true? Secondly, is this really the way to convince Carson to stay? Or is this 
Howie's way of leaking this kind of a story to, to kind of get some leverage back if you're going to trade Carson Wentz. My thing with it, you know, thinking about that, I saw that story, and if Zacherts isn't going to be with the team, which a lot of the points that he's not, why are you convincing a guy to be on a team? Like, you're the one who's not going to be on the team, yet you're convincing someone else to stay. So, Zach Ertz, probably wherever he goes, if he goes somewhere, wants Carson Wentz to go there too. Yeah, you know, so, if Zach Ertz goes to the Colts, Zach Ertz and Carson Wentz could go to the Colts as a team, you know, a, a tandem. You know, it's, it's, see, that, that's, that's what kind of, I was like, wait a minute. That, that makes, doesn't make so too much sense to be able to, hey, I'm not going to be on this team. Too. But yeah, the, you know, the leverage thing makes sense um, because you want to try to, build up that trade value and maybe be able to get something because unfortunately you don't have much cap room and you need to build this team with youth, which you know you should have been doing. I mean, when I but, first saw the story, I kind of just like, I saw the headline on the story and I just kind of paged through it. And I'm like, eh, I don't need to click on this. Cause that that's, and then I'm like, you know what? I, I kind of thought I'm like, let me go back and read this. Cause is there any validity to the story? But honestly, I just think this is another rumor to gain leverage that there's a million leaks, just like you brought up with the, the Jeffrey, Lori, Howie, Doug, you know, meeting, they leak so much stuff. Well, whether it's Howie, Doug, their, their assistants leaks happen all the time. This story has leaked to gain leverage written all over it, in my opinion. But the thing about it is it's good for like podcasts and stuff like that. Ah, this is another con- topic to talk about. Exactly. And, and I see people talking about, you know, Nick bringing up trade him to Indy and whatnot and all. We're going to get into the Carson trade topics in the coming weeks and stuff like that. Um, I just want to focus on different topics at this point. So, yeah. And yeah, I know I understand like there was people that put out about, you know, giving, you know, Carson giving money back and everything. But they're, yeah, they're leaking. Carson's not going to give 20, Carson is not going to write a $20 million check to get traded somewhere else. But it's not going to. The way I think Nobody about does it is, that. So whenever anybody says, I need to take a break and think about it, what's the percentage that they, they, they come back and realize? The percentage really isn't very high. So when, when Carson says he needs to go and take a break and think about it, to me it's just he's checked out and he's almost gone. Basically 90% is I don't want to really do this anymore. I want a fresh start, which yeah. unfortunately he, he may need the fresh start. I hope he's – you know, he's a we're, hell of a we're talent. We're going to spend an entire show just talking Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. An entire oh, hour, hour and a half show in the coming weeks. Because I got oh. so many theories, so many different topics to bring up on that. And I'm and sure I, there's going to be more stories coming out. So yeah, we're going to have a lot of content. Day. You know, actually right now there could be a story breaking on Twitter that we don't know about. That's how much information is going to come out in the coming weeks and all. And, and it does. It, it sucks. All this that's happening, Nick, it does suck because I still – Truly deep down in my heart, believe when I create the hashtag Wentz is elite in the beginning of the season, I really believed it. When I said Carson Wentz was the fourth best quarterback in the league, I truly believed that my eyes were telling me that this guy is a leader of men and a guy that can bring another Super Bowl to us, which that's all we want is Super Bowls, right? Yeah. So it really breaks my heart to think of him leaving. It might have to happen. But again, on the flip side, again, which is going to come up in our future episodes, Jalen Hurts hasn't done anything to deserve the keys to the ship already so i'm a lot higher on hurts than you are and we've i'm not against hurts again you remember i'm the, actually the highest on his talent i love jalen hurts talent 
I just think Carson Wentz, you know, his potential is so much higher. I, I don't know. I don't want to get started on that. We, we, we're going to end up going on a tangent that's going to take another yeah. 60, 70 minutes here just talking about them two. Yeah. No, and, and you know, this comment here from Nick, one bad year could yeah. also – but but I, I did mention something, you know, one bad year. You know, Doug's had one bad year. I understand you say it's 9-7. They didn't play that Hearts well. Had one bad that, game or good game. But, but you say you know one one bad year for Wentz and why should he go? You know one bad one bad year for Doug. Why should he? You know so there's a, there's a little bit of, to play with with both of those those narratives, both of those um, like that statement. But all right, well you know what? Well, I, let, let's, let's keep on this. I mean we're gonna get into the NFL Wild Card Weekend in a second. This show just might go a little longer than normal. Kyle brings up something. I tweeted this out this week, a comment saying, "What? Who are we gonna get more value back if we?" I think we both agree one has to get traded. One has to go. You can't bring them both back because then we're going to deal with this whole controversy all next year too. It's going to be more disaster, more problems in the locker room. You know, he thinks he can get more back for a trade for Hurts and Wentz. I'm not sure. Who are we going to get more value back? Hurts, to trade Jalen Hurts, you need to get back your second-round pick, which we, what was it, the 53rd pick, 54th pick, plus something else, or a better pick than 53rd. To justify trading him, Carson Wentz, you're not going to get a first-round pick for Carson Wentz, but might you might get a late first, a second. What? Who? How do I phrase this question? What value do you need out of each player to trade them? Like, do you need X amount of picks for Hertz, and then X amount of picks for Wentz, and which one is more likely to bring that back? So. The the way that I think about I don't say that, thing, Richard. Nick Nick's head's going to get bigger than it already is, and his head's pretty big already. The you know the to think about the trade value you have this draft class is filled with a lot of talented players. So a team isn't going to try for Hertz for basically a second year guy. They're not going to give you what basically they're not going to give you that second round pick that you drafted them. You may get a third, maybe a fourth. To me, that's not worth that's it. That's it. And you're not going to get a second and a fourth, or a third and a fourth, yeah. or anything for him. Wentz has been around for five years. If there's a, a team that a team like India, a team like New England, a team like Chicago, a San Francisco, a team that has an offense already built around, knows what he can do, and feel like they could fix him, you can get more for him, a second and a four, uh, absolutely, a three and a five, whatever it may be. But you also have to look at it this way: is you trade Wentz, 2022, you're going to have a boatload of money. Yeah, you may not be very good in 2021, uh, which you may not be good in 2021 with Carson Wentz because of the cap situation and everything going Absolutely. on. So how you look at it is you trade Wentz, yeah, yeah, his money, everything you, you have to look into. But the way I feel about that is, do you want to go into 2022 with – not a great cap situation still an okay cap, but still with $128 million quarterback, hopefully he's fixed. Hopefully I don't, I don't know how that is. Or do you want to go fresh with Hertz and 80 something million, 70, $80 million to spend. So there's a lot to this. Unfortunately, uh, you could we could go on and on about it, but there, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot to it. In terms we're, of we're gonna we're, but, let's let's put on if nothing new breaks by next week, we can spend all of next week's episode talking just Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, who should stay, who should go. As A2D TV IL says, 
both need to come back. I disagree. But we'll get into that. If nothing crazy breaks by next week, we will spend almost all of next week's episode talking just Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts if we have to. But we got to talk football. Actual football games. There are six great football games this weekend. There literally isn't a game that there isn't a storyline. This is the first year with seven teams from each conference making the playoffs. You know, there's only one team on the bye, so we got six games this weekend. I'm super excited about it. We're going to start with Saturday's games. Anybody that has any predictions for this weekend, put them in the comments section. Quite a few are still watching, hanging in there. We're almost at an hour already. Probably going to go over the hour mark, so hang in there. Drop your weekend comments. Saturday games first. You got Indy on the road against Buffalo. Buffalo's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. You got the Rams at the 4 o'clock game or 440 game on the road against Seattle. Seattle's a four-point favorite. And then you got Tampa Bay as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite in the night game on the road against the Washington football team. First off, Johnny, any of those three games that you're just super excited about? Kyle says, Bills, Washington's going to get killed. I don't know about that. So, uh, of course, for me, it's the Bills since that was my Super Bowl pick. That was your Super Bowl pick, and I am right to every god that exists that Buffalo gets smoked just so your prediction goes down. I I. I think what what needs to happen is if Buffalo does win in the Super Bowl, I think you need to just put yourself through a table. We need to like film something of doing like a Bills Mafia. I can do that. I can. You know what? I'll, I'll do that. Okay. If Buffalo wins, because people don't realize this. When I was a kid, Buffalo was my second favorite football team. I was a huge Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, you know, Bruce Smith fan. I love that Andre Reid, James Lofton. I can name everybody from that team because they went up against. The Giants. Then they went up against the Washington. They were the Redskins at the time. They went up against Dallas twice. So they went up against all our rivals. So I fell in love with the Buffalo Bills. I rooted for them every Super Bowl. I didn't want to see the other teams win. Cancer, all that stuff and all. So if Buffalo wins the Super Bowl, I will go through a table. I'll let you and Chip even come to my house and 3D me through a table if you want. <laughs> it's better be made of really thin wood because I do not have a high tolerance of pain. But uh, that that game I'm looking forward to because of the way Josh Allen is. Every game he seems to get better and better and better. And Buffalo just signed on. The, I know he's on their practice squad. They just signed Kenny Stills to add to the receiving core because Cole Beasley. I know he's been banged up, but banged up. Th- that team is just they're just lighting it on fire. They just I I just like the way they're playing. I like the way Josh Allen is really playing. But if yeah. I go away from my super, the Super Bowl pick that I had with Buffalo, and look at the other two games, the the, the Tampa Washington. I, I feel bad for Alex Smith, and in fact that he's hurt, and you can see it. I just it, he's towards the end because of the calf injury and everything. It just you saw it, oh, broken leg. Well, yeah, with everything, you know. I want to see the, the the Seattle LA game gives me. It's pretty interesting because Seattle's offense has not looked like. Uh, that fire firepower uh, offense it looked early in the year. Their defense actually has been uh, playing very well. So that's one thing I want to watch uh, with them going up against Jared Goff, who struggled the last couple of games. So, uh, yeah, Brian Dable, he's fixed Josh Allen. It was a great comment there. He's going to get a head coaching job. Exactly. But the, the other two games are, are from, but it's to me it's Buffalo Indy, but that Seattle game is another one that's pretty intriguing. I actually think the Buffalo Indy game – it's going to be a lot closer than people realize. There's a chance Josh Allen that they, they've got so much momentum that game could be a 41-14 blowout. But I lean to think that Indy 
is a lot better than people give him credit for. They got a good running game. They got a quarterback that has to prove. Like Philip Rivers, some people say he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He is a Hall of Fame quarterback by today's standards, but by my standards, he's borderline Hall of Fame. Okay. But he wins another playoff game. He's only five and six in his career in the playoffs. For as great of a regular season quarterback he is, he's pretty bombed in the playoffs. But then someone else brought up that he's had to go up against, you know, Tom Brady in his prime and Peyton Manning in his prime and all these other great quarterbacks. So what did you expect? So a win against Buffalo this week kind of helps put another imprint on his legacy. So I think that game's going to be a little closer than people think. Um, I think Rams-Seattle is the most intriguing game, the best defense against a really great offense. What wins? Everybody says defense wins in playoffs. Here's an opportunity to see if Jared Goff plays. I know they're getting a lot of their guys back. Cooper Cup's off the the COVID list and all that kind of stuff. You know, if, if Goff plays, the Rams could beat Seattle for sure. And I don't think Washington's going to beat Tampa Bay, but everybody that watches this show and has for a long time knows my affinity for Alex Smith, you know, having gone through his same, you know, issues in life and all. Um, I will be watching that game, cheering him on to the last second. I know it's, I'm an Eagles guy. Eagles guys don't cheer for Washington, but I will cheer for Alex Smith on Saturday night till the game is over 100%. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm still going to cheer him on. So, all right, let's go to Sunday. Three other great games. Actually, honestly, all six games this weekend have some form of a storyline. You know, there's so much intrigue this weekend. I love it. So the early game on Sunday, Baltimore on the road, three-point favorite over Tennessee. Rematch of last year. Rematch of last year, exactly. The afternoon game, Chicago on the road against New Orleans. New Orleans is a a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. And then the late game. We got the Cleveland Browns on the road against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's a six-point favorite. You know, Nick's already saying Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. I don't know about you, but I'm pulling for Cleveland. Depends on how they respond to their coach not being there. You know, he says New Tennessee, New Orleans, Pittsburgh. Straight up, yeah, they probably win, but covering the spread, I'm leaning towards Chicago covering the spread. I'm leaning towards Cleveland actually beating Pittsburgh outright because, again, I think Pittsburgh's an overrated team. And I think Tennessee wins again. And not only do they cover the spread, but they they win outright over Baltimore because I don't think Baltimore's got the same spark as last year. And Tennessee, well-coached. They got a quarterback that doesn't turn over the ball. And they got Mr. December in January, Derrick Henry running the football. I, I think Tennessee wins that game pretty ha- handily, actually, against Baltimore. The, the Baltimore – I think Baltimore gets payback from last year. It's Um, possible. I mean, again, and real quick, Lamar Jackson hasn't been the same all year, and I kind of relate that back to getting beat by Tennessee and to kind of put a a plug in his momentum and all. So it is a potential game for him to retake that momentum. And the, the Baltimore offense has been playing a lot better the last few games than it did earlier in the season. Um, So – and I said, I, I, I like their defense. I know stopping Derrick Henry is very – it's monumental if you want to win the game. Um, the New Orleans-Chicago game, see, that one is I, – I know Chicago isn't a very good offensive team at all. Uh, they have a couple players. Trubisky plays – Hold on. They're not a good offensive team? Chicago? 
the last four weeks, they're three and one. David Montgomery in the three wins has rushed for 355 yards and four touchdowns. Mitchell Trubisky has put up almost 250 yards in every single one of the games or more. Okay. In the last four weeks since, and here let's let's link the playoffs and the wildcard round back to the Eagles. Since Nagy gave up play calling duty, they are three and one, and their offense is rolling. That's what we wanted Doug Peterson to do. He didn't want to give it up. Nagy gave up play calling dues, and all of a sudden, Chicago's in the playoffs. Is that a coincidence? So they scored 16 points against Green Bay. They lost they last played- week. I said three of the last four games. Listen, hold on. They played Jacksonville, they played Houston. And then I'll give them the Vikings because the Vikings can play a little bit better. But my thing with them, they, they, might, they may not be able to score a lot of points with New Orleans, but their their defense, if they can get pressure on Drew Brees, which they have the defensive playmakers. Exactly. You know, yes, the first half against Green Bay, uh, Aaron Rodgers was absolutely on fire. But coming into the second half, you know, getting hits on Aaron Rodgers, getting some pressure – they got real close in that game, and then of course at the end it didn't it didn't work out. But I think their defense can be a difference maker in this game. I understand the offense has been playing. And here's another key that better. Game. Kamara, Alvin Kamara has not been ruled to play yet. He is still on the the COVID list. list. If Alvin Kamara does not play with their defense going up against an old battered Drew Brees, I think they actually stand a chance. And. Yeah. Honestly, if I have to make a bold prediction, that's going to be the I upset. Chicago to beat New Orleans this week. It's a bold prediction. I'll get bashed for it. I'll take my heat. It's just a bold prediction. But, but Chicago- again, bold predictions you can have and and dis- and discuss with other people. You don't have to to block them when you make them. Yes, I like how you did there. Um, Chicago, their defense Nick. can, like I said, their their defense is what can win them this game because of um, the way they can pressure Breeze. And my thing is. If if New Orleans loses another playoff again, that's like, you know, it just seems like every single year they lose a playoff game that they, you know, people think they're going to win and everything because they haven't right. been to a Super Bowl since they beat the Colts. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but the last game, the Pittsburgh and hey, hold on. game. I didn't say Buffalo was going to lose. I said I could see that happening. The Bears win is just a bold prediction. If you disagree with me, I'll block you like people block me when I disagree with them. But uh, keep going. Talking about the the Pittsburgh game, I know Cleveland has a a boatload of you know. There's people on COVID list and but it's it's um, mostly coaches, not players at this point. Well, I, I did also see that they put uh, Joel Batonio, who's one of their uh, really good offensive linemen, starting mm-hmm. offensive linemen, and then Kaderil Hodge is one of the receivers. Plus, Rashad Higgins had a drag racing um, issue and something there. So I don't know what's going on with that, but I just feel, you know, Pittsburgh, I know they played all their backups last week and they, uh, Pittsburgh lost by two. Right. I think with having Ben, everybody back and, you know, the defensive players, they're getting Spillane back on linebacker, which is big for them. Uh, Filer, one of their offensive linemen is going to, is probably going to be back as well. Um, I think Pittsburgh wins. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout or anything. I think it's going to be a very close, scrappy game. Uh, but I think Pittsburgh comes away with the victory. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a close game. Again, 
I'm really struggling to pick that game because, again, I picked on a couple weeks ago. I think I was on Scotty Talk Sports, and I said Cleveland was a sleeper team come to playoffs because, you know, they were rolling there before all the COVID situations hit and all. And you can overcome your wide receiver or a running, but you can overcome a player. But when your head coach is out, he can script the first 15 plays. But outside of that, then it comes to they, they, all your it, – it, it's a tough – it's a really tough thing to overcome. So, yeah, I mean, no doubt. they're playing with house money at this point, right? You yeah. know, if they win, they're upset in Pittsburgh. If they lose, well, everybody was out with COVID. It's, it's no big deal. Baker still got them to the playoffs this year for the first time in 18, 18 years. years. yeah. You know, Pittsburgh, on the other hand, all the pressure's on them. If they win, well, they won the division they were supposed to win. If they lose, well, they lost to a team that lost. So it, it's it's that really like, you know, interesting dynamic there. The crazy, the crazier thing is, who's the last head coach to win a playoff game with Cleveland? No, I forget. Eighteen years ago. No, what wasn't. Year was that? They lost. They lost to Pittsburgh. It was before that. Nineteen, I think, nineteen ninety-four. Bill Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought I thought you said last one that made the playoffs. Sorry. Well, yeah. I'm I, trying I to think win. to two thousand and three or whatever it was when they last made the playoffs. Anyway, so lots of great games. Obviously, um, I don't know. I don't remember where you were at the beginning of the season. Kind of remember my Super Bowl picks. Um, there's still a chance for half of it, but let's go. Looking at the playoffs as a whole, um, yeah, I know it's funny. Yeah, I picked the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Homerish me. Call me a homer. I am what I am. What final four teams do you think make the championship games? The NFC and AFC championship game. Who's making the Super Bowl? And who at this point, right now, are you picking to win the the whole kit and caboodle? So I had, I think my teams. I thought it was New Orleans and Buffalo. Um, I'm not sure. I have to go back and look to see. But you definitely had Buffalo, obviously. I definitely had Buffalo. I didn't win. You had also. Buffalo, and Scotty had had Chicago. So I'm, yeah. I hope I'm wrong about Chicago, and I hope you're wrong about Buffalo. Just so that and none Trubisky of you looks good. Pop that in my face. Um, I'll pull the clips up or something from that one. <laughs> but I have. Um, I think it's going to be Buffalo. And I'm going Kansas City. I know it's you know one two seeds. Yes, you're, you're um, calling Chuck. But the in the NFC, I kind of have Green Bay and Tampa. Bold here from Richard. Um, that's real bold. Yeah, that is pretty bold. I'm sorry, who but did I, you have in Tampa? Sorry, I missed that. I saw I saw Cleveland in the Super Bowl, and my mind just went you know off in another world. So the the reason I say it is because. I think I'm sorry. Chicago, I didn't hear you. Say, did you have against Buff, uh, Green, Green Bay and Tampa. Green Bay and Tampa. Okay, gotcha. Because I think that, um, well, just trying to think because the way the seedings go. So if Tampa yeah, wins, seeding, so Green Bay can't play Tampa Bay because I've already figured that out. Okay. I, yeah, I because that, that's my NFC Championship game as well. Is is Green Bay Tampa Bay? Okay. Because I have a really good. I don't know. I have a strong feeling that Chicago could upset, and if that happens, they play Green Bay in the division. Exactly. So yep. that's why I'm kind of going with, you know, Green Bay, Tampa, and then Buffalo and Kansas City. So I have Buffalo in the Super Bowl, and I have them going up against – I'm going Tampa Bay. I'm being that Tom Brady Tampa gets Tom. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Buffalo winning it. Of, co- of course. And then and – then- If your Super Bowl prediction is right, the only thing I'll say is I want Antonio Brown to catch 10 passes – for 200 yards and three touchdowns to prove that the Eagles should have brought Antonio Brown here because, you know, hey, you know, I was all over the Antonio Brown coming back, you know, training this year. 
So I got a little different than you. Um, again, not total chalk, but pretty predictable. Um, I had originally Kansas City beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Um, I think Kansas City is one of the best teams. And and we brought it up last night. I was on the Athletes Hub doing their football preview show. And uh, Devin Withers, the uh, founder of the Athletes Hub, great website. Check it out, theathletehub.org. Um, brought up a conversational point that Patrick Mahomes may someday supplant. So right now the conversation, who's the best quarterback of all time? Tom Brady or Joe Montana? You know, some people might throw Peyton Manning in there. There's a chance that come 10 years from now when his contract, 10-year contract is up, we're going to be talking about who's the best quarterback of all time, Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes. And that's how good Kansas City is because of Patrick Mahomes. Great quarterback play as long as he stays healthy. I mean, that's what gets you there, okay? Um, so I got Kansas City in the championship game going up against Tennessee, repeat of last year's championship game. Um, I think Tennessee's a great – they're built for playoff runs. So I think it's Kansas City against Tennessee, Kansas City making the Super Bowl. In the NFC, I'm same as you. I got Green Bay going up against the Buccos, um, but I got Green and I got Green Bay winning it. So I've got a Super Bowl of Kansas City versus Green Bay with the top two candidates of MVP, which we won't know at that point who is the MVP. But I think, and this is going against my original prediction, I think Aaron Rodgers is playing so damn well right now, and that offense is clicking so well right now that actually Aaron Rodgers cements himself as potentially the best quarterback in Green Bay's history, which is a statement because there's some great quarterbacks in their history. Aaron Rodgers beats Patrick Mahomes in a huge shootout in the Super Bowl. And I got even better for you. Aaron Rod- if this happens and Aaron Rodgers wins and does this, then he reconnects with his family and they're all good and they all can go off in the sunset together. I'm trying to do a little bit of, you know, a little nice and, you know, because yeah. he doesn't get along with his family. So that's kind of uh, trying to make it a little bit better. He wins it all. He gets happy. He goes and does that. But no, I think, I think, I think the, M- who do you think the MVP is? I mean, I think it's Aaron Rodgers at this point. I think I know there's talk for Josh Allen, but yeah. And again, you, and I, again, I'm the only podcaster out there that admits 100% when he's wrong. And I know Johnny hopes I'm wrong about Jalen Mills, but I will admit right now I was wrong about Josh Allen. I wasn't wrong about Kyler Murray. I said Kyler Murray and Josh Allen were getting all this MVP preseason hype. And I'm like, none of them proved that they deserved the hype yet. What is this, Doctor Phil? No, yeah. Well, some people call me Doctor <laughs> Phil. I do solve problems, and, and you know, you, you send me a message, I'll solve your problem. It's okay. Um, I'll be the Italian Doctor Phil. Um, I was wrong about Josh Allen. Josh Allen has proven he deserves MVP hype. I just think Aaron Rodgers has done a lot more. He's thrown more touchdown passes than the team has punted the ball this year. Okay, he has led that team to. So, Again, I think they're going to be be Super Bowl winners this year. A sleeper for you is Derrick Henry. Oh, I, I absolutely do. We we broke this down last night on the uh, Athlete Tub show as well. Derrick Henry deserves it, but only three times in the last sixteen years has a running back won in it, or has anybody that's not a quarterback won MVP. And absolutely, he should deserve it. I Did you see? If I had, if I was a voter that had the the you know the right to vote. I would actually write in Derrick Henry 
you asked originally who will win it, and I think Aaron Rodgers yeah. will win it. I do but too. Derrick Henry deserves it. But did you see the one stat where if you took out all of Derrick Henry's first half yards, he'd be like sixth in the league in rushing? Here, I'm, I'm not- one, I don't know where it ranks, but I saw a stat the other day. Do you know how many yards Derrick Henry has after contact? <laughs> Over 1,400 of his 2,000 yards were after oh, contact. God. So that would probably put him in the top five or six also, wouldn't it? I think it would probably put him top, top two three, or three. maybe, but who knows? Yeah. You know, the guy is a monster. And Tennessee would not be anywhere close to the playoffs. What, what does most valuable player mean? It means most. you take that player off the team and they stink, okay? Not offensive player of the year. We're talking MVP. So and he'll probably win offensive player of the, player year, of the year. Yeah. Derrick Henry, but he deserves MVP because Tennessee does not make the playoffs without Derrick Henry. Yeah. And who do you, I, I know what your answer is going to be, uh, which it definitely should be this guy. The comeback player of the year needs to be Alex Smith. Absolutely. Alex Smith's my man. You know, anybody that can come back from almost losing his leg and surgery and almost dying and all that and actually lead your team to the playoffs. Damn. The guy, the guy deserves every bit of attention he gets, everything. And if you have not watched his ESPN feature on his recovery, you all better go watch it right now because it'll move you to tears. That guy went through, you know, I hope you're talking about me or Dirk Henry. I don't care, but it's facts. Alex Smith went through everything that I went through, except he had a multi-billion dollar franchise supporting him through it and all. So, you know. Did you see what his wife did? The guy motivates me to do better. Did you see what his wife did? He took his like the uh, the I don't know if it, what the hell is it called the uh, the brace that he had the metal brace. She made right. it into a trophy. She had it That's made into awesome. a trophy. So now it's sitting. It's almost. It kind of looks like a Lombardi type of trophy type of thing. I don't have she, my brace anymore. She, I got rid of that thing. Is the day I was told I didn't need to wear that brace anymore, it went into the closest dumpster I could find. But I thought that was pretty cool. She made it into a trophy for her. Now, now saying that, I, I kind of wish I had mine because you guys could at all about the birds make mine into a trophy, but I don't have it anymore. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think – do you have anything else to say before I wrap this show up? I don't think so. I think we kind of went over it. I think we covered everything. I mean, this was a good episode. I, I wasn't sure how we were going to do tonight. You know, there's a lot of – like I said, a lot of issues in this country right now. Football is an outlet for some people to, you know, move on. Get by it, you know. Just forget about the, the the stress that's out in the outside world. We tried to be here for the last hour and thirteen minutes, and kind of just give you something to do, have a little fun, you know. Richard, Nick, Adam, Kyle, you know, A two D, all the people that have been checking in all night. We appreciate you so much. Um, obviously, we got lots of thanks to do, but again, before we do the thanks, again, Sunday. I'm thinking I'm ballparking right now, but follow. All about the birds. Follow me on Twitter at Beard Knowledge because we're going to do the first ever All About the Fans show where I'm just going to give everybody that wants the link to this stream. You can come on the stream. The link changes every episode, so you won't be able to come on every show. Um, this is just so we're going to start it at once a month. We'll see if it has enough steam and a lot of people like it. Maybe we'll do it a little bit more frequently. But we're going to look at Sunday. We're probably doing Sunday, maybe 11 30, 12 o'clock before the football games start. I'm going to put anybody that wants the link. I'm going to give you the link. You can come on the screen, debate football, the Eagles, the Sixers, who did make a – you know, they held on. That's what winning teams do today. They, they, they kind of blew their big lead. 
They held on tonight to win 141 to 135, I think it was. You know, we could talk anything. We could talk to Phillies. We could talk, we could talk anything you want. So I'm gonna give everybody the thing. We're gonna call it. Johnny came up with the names live on the air tonight, all about the fans, because we are a show and a podcast about the fans. All opinions count. Thank you, Adam. Great show. I appreciate it. Adam, again, come on the show Sunday. We're going to invite everybody to do it. I'll be hosting Sunday. I don't know if anybody else from the team will be on. I kind of just came up with this tonight, so I didn't even run it past the guys before we did this. So I don't know if they're free. Doubt it, but whatever. We're here for the fans. Um, and again, calling out Vic. If Vic wants to come on a debate, any topic, me and him got into it about Tobias Harris today, that's fine. You know, I'm a Tobias Harris fan. He is not, obviously. So you know what? I'm calling out Vic. If Vic wants to show up on All About the Fans on Sunday, the invitation's out there. I guarantee he doesn't have the guts to come on and talk with me. But, you know, it is what it is. But I'm not going to block anybody that disagrees with me. So anyway, we got to thank a bunch of people. Obviously, all of you, all the fans, we made it through our first full season of Eagles football podcasting. I know Johnny and me, we're the, we're the two originals. We're the originals that were on the first episode. We're here now tonight. Start of season two. This is start of season this, two. I, that's right. This is the season. Well, why didn't you – you should have said that before. We could have called it the I didn't think of it until you premiere. said it. The season premiere was tonight, you know. I, I wish I would have come up with that earlier. You know, that's great. You know, we wouldn't have been here all year and made it to season two if it wasn't for all the fans. We appreciate each and every one of you so much. We also obviously got to thank Last Out Media at Last Out Media team over there doing great work. They got brand new guy doing podcasts over there. Big Daddy Graham. I love Big Daddy Graham, a legend in sports media. Uh, so make sure you're following at Last Out Media. Uh, make sure you're following at Heat Ratio Sports. Tony Cotillo on the crew, my boys. He gives me all the advice. Every time I do a show, I get a message from Tony. Yo, great show. Or, hey, work on this. Love him. And, of course, at the, at the Athletes Hub, at Athletes Hub on Twitter. Great website. I mean, they literally cover every sport under the sun there. I've done two shows hosting for them, um, trying to get them into podcasting and teach them. It's more than just writing and all. But Devin Withers, he's a great guy, puts a lot of great content out there on his website. So make sure you check it out. And, of course, check out our website, www.aatbirds.com. You put slash shop at the end of it. Support the pod with the great shirts like I'm wearing right here. You know, as somebody said, what is it? Oh, you can't see it. It doesn't matter. Set the trends. It's on the back of the shirt. That's what we do. We set the trends. But you can support the podcast this way by buying our gear. Support the podcast if you're watching on Sportscaster. If you're not watching on Sportscaster, go over to Sportscaster. Follow Beard and Knowledge on there. That's where these shows stream. Drop a little donation. I'm not trying to hit you up for money or anybody, but, you know, doing these shows does cost us a lot of money. So any support is appreciated, as always. That's Go Johnny U right there. Johnny U, 9322. Yeah. Beard and Knowledge. It's a the little beard. shorter, but it's good. Florida Phil is back in PA, where he belonged also, for a short period of time before I moved to Florida for good. Also, follow Chip. He's of not course, that's what I was going to get to next. Chip. At Chip for the Birds. Chip Keggy. You know, our other team member. He'll be back next week, as always. Do I have the football that Al Bundy scored four touchdowns at Polk High? No, I do not. But I might buy a jersey, an Al Bundy jersey someday. We'll, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Uh, if people support the show enough, I'll be able to afford that someday. Uh, yeah, exactly. But anyway, as we always end every show, it's it's Go Birds, right, Johnny? Do what you got to do. Do it. Your fear was about to happen.